0: Hello everybody. Today I'm reading Wink, a novel by Rob Harrell, surviving middle school with one eye open. Chapter 1. Let's get radioactive. I'm lying on a steel table, all all too aware of the giant ray gun pointed in my direction. It looks like one of those room-sized... 5-ton laser supervillain things Super villains use in movies The kind they threaten to destroy the planet with What's music you're into Ross? I'm pretty sure the radiation tech is just to distract me as he bolts me down a hard plastic mesh mask over my neck and heads holds me still they modeled it to my face yesterday and the tech struggles to click onto the table he scrunches his nose pushing oh anything whatever i mumble through my teeth the hardened mask doesn't let my chin move much the headpiece locks in and the tech frank gives my shoulder a bump with his fist come on man if you're gonna lie here for half an hour you need some tunes. I've got all kinds. Name something you'd like. There are no wrong answers. I scanned my brain. You could. Can you just do KZAQ? Frank stops and doubles over at the waist like he's been gut punched. He hangs there talking to the floor. Okay, no wrong answers in that one. But he... An- He straightens up and winces at me. Seriously? You like that top 40 garbage? It's what my parents have all the time. So dorky. I try to look away casually, but my head won't budge. Frank stares before letting out an exaggerated sigh. Fine, but tomorrow tell me what you like. Not what mom and dad like. He walks over and fiddles with an ti- old-timey boombox on a high-wall shelf next to a teetering stack of CDs and cassette tapes. Seriously, there must be a gazillion dollars of worth of equipment in there, and they can't afford a mp3 player. I notice a tattoo peeking out of the arm of Frank Scrubs, a lizard tail maybe, or a tentacle. Beyonce fills the room, and suddenly, suddenly, Frank is all business. I know we went over this yesterday, but let's review. He wraps his round around his clipboard and begins, like he's done this a thousand times. The gurney you're on is going to lift you up and move you into place. The treatment takes 25 minutes or so. Keep your limbs and knotty bits inside the ride at all times. Do not throw things at the radiation techs. Do not feed the radiation techs. Do not waggle your legs around like a synchronized swimmer. Do not pass your goat. Do not hum the goo-goo dolls. And as I despise the Google doll- goo-goo dolls, Frank steps aside. To let me and another tech callie, I think, reach in and mold some blue clay over the bridge of my nose. She smiles at me and tells me it's to protect my good eye from the beam. Then she pats my chest. I hope I don't look nervous as I feel. I feel like a rabbit in a trap. My face is hot. Okay, now for the important part. Frank is back. When I tell you, you're going to stare at that red X above you. The one we made over there by the Big Zapper yesterday. You'll see it when the machine slides you over. The mask prevents much of a nod, but he seems to catch it. Don't let your eye off that X or or your eye explode into a million pieces like the Death Star. Okay? I let out a little grunt. Frank puts his arm on his hand. I'm kidding, Ross. I mean, kind of. Don't look away from the X. Your eye won't explode, but we're dealing with your vision. Important stuff. So keep your eye on the X, or it could... Just keep your eye on the X, and you'll be fine. Callie steps in with a U-shaped attachment that looks like a part of a kid's car seat. She fits it over my mouth, face and s- helps me slip into the molded mouthpiece into my mouth. My teeth lock into it when I bite down and she snaps the end of the U-cable. chunk The table is attached to some huge mechanical arm like this out of Star Trek. My nose itches. I couldn't move my head if I had to and I feel... Something that makes me all squirmy inside. I feel a bug, like a bug dissecting on a table. Frank and Kelly look down at me. You need a blanket. You good? S- Kelly squeezes one of my sock-covered toes. Need a blanket? No, I need Okay. She tucks a lock of hair behind her ear and gives me a friendly smile. Everybody smiles a lot here, probably because they can tell I'm freaking out. We'll be right around the corner. You'll do great, Frank winks. No sweat, you'll see. They walk off to my left, but I can't turn my head to follow them. The lights slowly dim as Gwen Stefani starts singing about bananas. I admit, it, it's kind of freaky being the only one in here with this machinery, all this stuff. I close my eyes and let out a long breath. It shudders as it slowly comes out, which somehow takes my nerves off a notch. Alright, Frank's voice squawks through a tiny speaker. We're gonna get started, Ross. Just relax and keep your eye on the red X. You're about to go for a ride. After a few seconds of silence, there are loud bangs and a revving noise. The entire room full of heavy machinery comes to life with beeping, worry, worrying, and what might be big fans powering up. Maybe th- things, things heat up when radiation gets going. I have no idea. Then the gurney shudders, and I begin to rise. Frank comes down through the speakers again. Houston, we have liftoff. Bat- Batpig comments. Batpig versus the radioactive zapper. Poor Batpig. Our hero is strapped down to a giant zapper. Point to his skull. One zap could blast his ever-loving face off. He needs to act super fast gonna zap you I see that the zapper talks suddenly back pig uses his super strength to break a strap grunt point oh dear first he turns the zapper on itself and blasts it big time self zap no. Seriously, I didn't know my zapper could speak. Then he captures the evil doctor and gives him a super noogie. Bad doctor, bad. I see the in error in my ways. Justice has been prevailed, Bat Pig goes for a nice sandwich. That is the end of chapter one. The next chapter, chapter is called... Proton Palooza Just so you know the date. I'm reading this is July 7th, Wednesday I will think I will read up to page 20 actually maybe 15 But yes, maybe 20. Okay. My vocabulary of scientific terms has grown by leaps and bounds in the past few months biopsy, mag- malignant carcinoma, lacrimal gan- gland, resection, triangulation, proton, radiotherapy. I may be in 7th grade, but I ought to be qualified for med school by the end of this. The hardest part of the treatment is keeping my eye focused in the center of that red X. The whole thing makes me incredibly nervous. If somebody tells you to think about a purple elephant, it's suddenly the only thing you can think about. I'm purple. The harder I try to keep my eyes still, the more it wants to slide off the X, and my eyes isn't the only thing drifting. My brain keeps taking me back to the day this started. So there have been a few really bad days through this whole thing. Capital B, capital D. The first one was a few months ago, mid-July, right in the middle of what was supposed to be an awesome, relaxing summer. The build-up to bad days started when I'd be upside down in a chair reading to kill a mockingbird. It was, summer. It was a summer reading assignment, and while I am strongly against summer schoolwork, I had to admit it was a pretty good book. I got up and walked into the kitchen, and my dad's eyes got wide. Whoa, what happened there? I had no idea what he was talking about, so I opened the pantry door searching for food. What happened where? He came over and carefully touched the area above my eye. Does that hurt? Does what hurt? I stepped into the hallway and looked in a in the mirror. My eyelid was all puffed out and looked like a bullfrog's neck when they blow their heads up. Necks up. Oof. Whoa, that is nasty. I poked at it. It was pretty gross, but it was full of fluid. We talked about whether I'd been bitten by something. No. Or gotten hit by something. No. We decided to ice it. It went down over the next half hour so we forgot about it until the next Sunday when I woke up late with another case of frog eye. We iced it again. Then Monday morning, my dad took me, my dad took one look at me and called out of work, which is a super big deal. And we drove to see some eye specialist, Dr. Scheffler. Dr. Scheffler needed told me I needed a cat scan. Turns out that it's that's lingo for a procedure called CT scan. But for a little while I was picturing a doctor waving a cat over me. 30 minutes later I was in an ancient building near the hospital. I found myself wearing a hospital gown, the dumbest, m- most butt-revealing garment ever designed, padding down a cold hat hallway in the brown socks of with treads on the bottom. They put me in the steel bed and m- my feet sticking through a giant mechanical donut, at- and at this point I was g- started getting genuinely nervous and kind of wishing my dad hadn't stayed in the waiting room. A truly en- enormous male nurse, he looked like he could play for the Colts, came in and put an IV in my arm. Needle one out of a three billion if I'm counting. He warned me. Ross, when I inject this, it might feel like you're peeing your pants. It made me laugh until a few minutes when he skirted, squirted, the contrast died into the IV line and I felt all warm it f- and felt exactly like I was peeing my pants even though I wasn't peeing or wearing pants. So so weird. It couldn't have felt more like I was peeing myself. If, actu- if I'd actually let go and was myself, sorry, I digress. Afterward, Dad and I went to get grab an early sub at da- Dagwood's. They have awesome milkshakes and their sandwiches are the best thing ever put between two slices of bread. Dr. Scheffler told us we'd probably get the results in two or three days. So it was pretty far from my mind as my dar- dad parked out front. I was busy considering the wide array of delicious sandwich options I'd have soon had. Then my dad's phone rang. He pulled out he pulled it out, looked at the screen in front. My dad was looking over at me when he answered. "Hello?" I only heard my dad's side of the conversation. "Yes, it is. Wait, you did? Okay. Right now? All right. Absolutely. We'll be there in 5 minutes." He hung up and slid the phone all the way into his pockets in, of his jeans before saying anything. That was Dr. Scheffler. He has your scans. He wants us to see us now. Is that bad? Nah, he started the car. I don't think so. He was trying to sound casual, but his face had kind of gone slack. Let's swing over there and, you know, we'll get, grab, well, go to Dogwood, Dagwood's after I pepped him with questions, but he assured me the doctor hadn't told him anything. Then it was just quiet, which wasn't like him. I'd have killed for a knock-knock or a dad joke right about them. So Dr. Scheffler told. When we were back in his office, he used his foot to hook a rolling stool over and sat down in front of us. He set his down... He set down the file he'd been holding and leaned in. His elbows on his knees like a basketball coach in a huddle. I felt my dad tense up beside me. I cracked a few knuckles. Thank you for coming so quickly, Dr. Scheffler continued, speaking carefully. Let's not beat around the bush. The ice can pick up something, a mass above your right eye. He looked at me. He looked at me. His mouth squeezed in a tight line. It was somehow you look. It was a look that somehow said, I'm sorry, I have to tell you this, and this is serious business that we need to discuss like adults at the time. Really? I'll never forget my dad. The way my dad said it. Really? Like he just found out dragons exist or that day is night. That's honestly the last thing I remember cre- clearly. I mean, I didn't pass out or anything, but they kept talking while my he- body and head went kind of fuzzy. I heard bits and pieces. Tumor? No way to know yet. Needle biopsy as soon as we can. Could be big nine, but let's in the lacrimal no, gl- gl- gland above the right size of a gumball, not to pick pa- time to panic yet. Then all of a sudden we were at the somber shaking of hands and thank you part. They'd schedule this and that and would and call us. And then we were outside sitting on a couple of steps about outside of the door. My dad pulled me into him and rubbed the top of my head, gave it a casual kiss that seemed Like anything but casual. It's gonna be fine, Ross, okay? The dumb thing is most likely B-E-N-I-G-N, you know? We sat there for a while, him rubbing my shoulder. I kept thinking, how serious is this? I remember when my mom went through this. Even though I was four when she did that big B-9 was the kind good kind of tumor or not good, but not necessarily dangerous. Malignant was the bad kind. Cancer, the big C. But what 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 but what now? Was I supposed to cry? Should I wait and throw myself on the ground? Would it have been helpful if Dr. Scheffler had given me this chart from how one to ten circled six and said this right here is how much you should freak out at this point. While I sat on the office steps, my dad went a few paces down to the to walk to call my stepmom Linda. Then he called my grandmother G- Gammy in St. Louis, who sniffled and called me Ro- and called me Rossy about a thousand times when I got on the phone. I couldn't think. I thought about texting my friends Abby and Isaac, but I couldn't yet. I'd have no idea what I'd say. Later, when we got home, Linda set something yellow out for dinner that I poked at but didn't eat. I remember sitting in the basement playing with Annihilation Moon until my thumbs ached. Eventually, the day got dark and ran out the way, even the worst days do I went to bed but couldn't sleep I just lay there watching headlights slide across my ceiling to the sound of my dad and Linda talking in low talking in the next room All I felt was numb Okay this is chapter 3 but I'll continue reading until page 20 That is where I'll stop for today and continue tomorrow. Okay, chapter three, back to reality. My entire body jerks and my heart starts pounding. That big X is staring down at me and the mesh mask has me trapped. Did I start to fall asleep? That's a super scary thought given the whole don't blame your eye drift exploding eyeball thing. I blame it on the slow song that was playing at the time. Frank may have a point about me needing better radiation jams. Then suddenly, it's over. Frank and Kaylee are back in the room, unhooking me, unmouthpiecing, unmasking. Frank sticks out a hand and helps me up. You did pretty good at for a first timer. In, in three more days, you'll be a pro. And by the end of eight weeks, you'll be stealing my job. He squints like he's inspecting me, judging me, right? I can see it in your eyes. He looks over at Callie. He looks shifty, doesn't it? Doesn't he? It's the beady eyes. We need to watch our backs. Callie is looking at something on her clipboard. She gives me a quick roll of her eyes. As I hop down, Frank leans in and Stage whispers, don't mind, Callie. She has an enormous crush on me. The poor thing. Callie blurt laughs and walks away. See you tomorrow, Ross. I put on my shoes and grab my backpack from a locker by the door. We pass Dr. Throckson's office on the way out. He's known to my family by the superhero-like name. The man with all answers. And he's in the doctor in charge of my radiation. He's behind this desk, his desk, his hair sticking up comically like he's been running his hands through it. Both feet are propped up on his desk, and he has his phone to his ear. But when he sees me, his eyes light up. He covers the mouthpiece and yell whispers to me, How'd it go? Good, I guess. I answer, and he, he pinches the phone between his shoulder and cheek and gives me two thumbs-ups. There's a blue ink stain on one of them. Frank walks me down to the hall to the waiting room, asking if middle school is unbearable as he remembers. It's all right. I shrug as we go through the electric double doors into the waiting room. As the w- as waiting rooms go, this one is pretty swanky. There are a bunch of comfortable couches and chairs arranged around several big aquariums. Halloween decorations are out since it's only a few days away and even a complimentary drink station with coffee and a fridge full of soft drinks and little water bottles. I don't see my stepmom. My guest is Linda ran to Starbucks for more green iced tea. She's always running out for green tea. An old guy sits beside one of the aquariums, sipping on a cup of coffee. He lifts the cup in salute. Frank steers me over. Ross, I want you to meet someone, or to be accurate, warn you to stay far, far away from him. We stop in front of the guy. Jerry, this is Ross. He had his first treatment. Then he addresses me. Ross here's the oldest, crankiest man to stalk the planet. Jerry laughs a wheezy good, good-natured laugh as he struggles up to the front of his seat. I shake enormous hand. I shake his enormous hand. It feels like it's made out of limestone. They say it, it they, they stuck with you with Frank huh. I'd say it could be worse, but I'm not sure how. Then his bushy eyebrows go up. Okay in there? I think so, I guess. I look away from the fish in the tank beside him. Why am I always so awkward? There you go. Just lay back and let these guys do the hard stuff, right? Jerry has a rough, deep voice. It reminds me of gravel in a blender. He leans back, and I notice the blue mesh band at the bend of his arm where he's had blood drawn. I've gotten annoyingly familiar with blood claws. And I can tell you where my juiciest vein is, which is weird. Okay, that is page 20. Let's see where the next chapter is. Okay, the next chapter is on page 27. Okay, but it's 20, so I'll stop for today. Bye. Thank you. Hello. Today is July 9th, 2020. Sorry I missed yesterday. I was a little busy. Anyways, let's get to it. I'll be reading 15 pages today. Frank scans the, wait, sorry. Page 20. Frank scans the waiting room. Where's your mom, Ross? Stepmom. Stepmom, did she skip out on you? Flee the country? Probably. I sit on the edge of a couch. I know how to wait. That's what phones are for. Well, if you're in here for three hours, I'll give you a ride. Least I can do. Jerry shakes his head. Oh, good lord, don't take that ride. They'll let anybody have a license these days. Frank starts to walk away. Keep trying, Jerry. You'll say something funny one of these days. Then spins around to walk backwards, pointing at me with finger-like guns. Forty-four zaps to go, Ross. But seriously, tomorrow. I want serious... I want... But seriously, tomorrow, I want suggestions for real music, or I start playing you some of mine. He jams the backside into the doors and is gone. Jerry studies me, deadly serious. Do it, bring music, or he's likely to play his band's CD. You've suffered enough. He's in a band? He blows on his coffee. In the loosest sense of the word, he grabs a magazine, so I guess I can take out my phone without looking too rude. I text Abby, "Zap one in the books." She texts back immediately. Was it bad? Are you radiated? Are you a radiated mutant like Godzilla now? Not really, but I can shoot laser beams out of my butt. Ooh. So jealous. Seriously, though, did it hurt? Nope. Aces. Abby ha- I had asked me to come, to come today, but I told her I didn't want to make a big deal out of it. She pressed, but I insisted she not come. If she'd come, there'd been, there would being have been, hugs and high fives, and it would have been a big deal. And I feel like. If I give this thing as little energy as I can, it'll just fade away. I think Abby understood eventually. The front door f- doors fly open, and my stepmom stalks in on a cloud of cool air and caffeine. Ross, you're out. I'm so sorry, I needed a jolt, so I hopped over to Bucky's and thought I'd get back before you were out. So I sorry. So I hopped over to Bucky's and thought I'd get back before you were out. How was the day, one? One of the more annoying things about Linda is her insistence on calling Starbucks Bucky's. It gives me chills. She stops in front of me and looks over at Jerry. "Hello." I start up to I start to get up. That's Jerry jerry starts the process of standing up to shake her hand that's me i'm jerry thompson linda flaps her hand at him only no need to get up we have to get going it's nice to meet you jerry i'm linda they shake hands quickly she turns to me you ready i need you to get home and i have about two million things i need to do she turns to jerry and rolls her eyes real estate jerry smiles ah yes big doings then he kicks my foot slightly with one of those his Velcro orthopedic shoes. Nice meeting you, Ross. I'll see you around. I'm glad your day went well. Day one went well. I stand up and pocket my phone. Nice meeting you, too. What day of your treatment are you on? This round? Day 36, but who's counting? Linda's phone starts chirping as soon as we're in her grand Cherokee. And we ride home to the sounds of Linda talking up a beautiful three little three-bedroom, two-bath, not far from the lake. It apparently has amazing light and the most adorable breakfast nook. I text Isaac, not really expecting him to text back it. He hasn't been around much lately, like not at all. Hey, what's up? I just got radiated like the Hulk. I sit there watching my screen, and I'm kind of surprised when the three dots show st- start off. He's texting back. The three dots flash and flash, and then they go away. I'm a little embarrassed to admit it, but my heart sinks. What's going on with him? I wait, staring for the dots to start again, but they don't. Eventually, I cram my phone back into my pocket. The rest of the way, I just space and stare out the window. I've been getting pretty good at that lately. At home, I go straight upstairs, I drop my pack, and head to the mirror in my bathroom. There's no visible mark where the beam went and by my temple. Weird. But looking in the mirror brings up some bad memories. Seeing my scar and my closed squinty permanently winking eye. The biopsy. The diagnosis. The surgery. I try to keep that off looking to a mini So I don't get all wigged out. Eventually I go in and flop face down on my bed. My phone starts buzzing in my pocket, but I'm asleep before you can say proton radiation therapy. I have a dream where I'm a f- french fry in a basket getting lowered and lowered again into thick boiling oil. It sounds really dumb, but it's completely terrifying. Not extra crispy. When I wake up, my, mom, my room is mostly dark and my dad is sitting next to me on the bed. His hand on my back. Hey, Ross, you awake? I grunt. Yes, kind of. How'd it go? I want all the details. I I roll over slowly, half awake. His hair is messed up on one side, and he's loosened his tie. He needs a shave. Wow, I say, you look awful. He laughs and rubs his face with both hands. Ha, yeah, it was a day. And all I wanted was there to be you. He's a trial lawyer, and he's in the middle of some big mega case. It's about some huge insurance settlement or something. He lets out a long sigh, like he's been holding his breath for days. So, spill. Give me the dirt. Start at the beginning and don't leave anything out. So I slide slide back against my headboard. He settles back beside me and I tell him. Chapter 4. School fun. Yay. When I get to school the next morning, Abby is less thrilled with me. I fell asleep and missed a bunch of texts from her. We drop her viola off in the band room. And as we make our way from down the hallway, past the kid, dumping crazy amounts of spit into his trumpet. She lets me hear about it. You forget how to return a freaking text, I thought. Maybe they aimed wrong and your brain fizzled out after you got home. She's digging through her backpack trying to find something, chapstick most likely. She's the only person who jokes with me about my situation and she's done it through most of this whole ordeal and I literally could not appreciate it more. It makes me feel like something in the world is normal. I mean, don't get me wrong, it'd be weird if everybody else joked about it, but it's Abby. Abby Abby Peterson has been my best friend. Since the third day of first grade, when I choked on some milk and a Flintstone gummy shot out of my nose, a dino, I think, she laughed so hard, she almost threw up, and a forever bond was formed. Around fourth grade, we were- we welcomed the eternal goof, Isaac Nelenbotsky, into her friend's groove. It was an easy fit. But he's been acting weird lately. He's just vanished as far as hanging out with us is concerned. He'd normally be making this walk with us. And it's b- bizarre that he isn't. I just really didn't feel like talking, I said. Or texting. Or lifting my head off the pillow. Did you do the language arts teach homework? I totally ignored it. Psh- I think Miss Bayer will let it slide. You only have, like, the ultimate excuse ever. Oh, I'm terribly sorry, but yesterday, I had a pure beam of pure energy shot into my head yesterday. She slathers enough lip balm for three people. But how was it? Was the beam hot? We stop at my locker so I can get my math textbook. It was, it didn't feel like anything. I just have to lie there for a while, and then I'm done. It's pretty weird. Abby stares at me for a few seconds, thinking, Yeah, that isn't gonna cut it. When people ask, you need to drum it up a little bit for them. If not for you. Okay, right. I shut my locker with a bang. I notice a couple girls watching us. I'm pretty sure they're sixth grade. Maybe I could say I could smell burning flesh or I could hear my eyes sizzling like bacon. You joke, but I wouldn't stop there. Abby puts an elastic thingy between her lips, gathering her wavy orange hair into a ponytail. Put her headband in her backpack. You can milk this whole laser beam sci-fi thing as far you want to go, my friend. Your school famous. Such an Abby thing to say. If there's one thing Abby enjoys, it's standing out, which is good. As her tangerine hair can be seen from space. Add to that an eccentric sense of fashion. Someone... Some would just call it insane. And Abby is the person you can't miss. But her so style helps me out. I'm all but invisible standing next to her. Actually, I used to be invisible. I could walk through a crowded library and escape completely unnoticed. Unscathered. scattered. Hardly anybody talked to me. And I lived peacefully under the radar like a stealth bomber in a hoodie. I never realized it before, but it was kind of great. Then you know, cancer, gone. My, gone were my big plans to sneak through my way through seventh grade with my non-noteworthy B average, unnoticed by teachers and students alike. Now I can't walk the length of a hallway without someone Studying me to see if I look sick or just staring or even worse. They ask how I'm feeling One kid came up to me and in the hushed tones asked me if I was dying He was in sixth grade, so I think he was honestly unsure what to say Another kid an eighth grader named Billy Harold just came up to me and nodded and told me that his uncle died of cancer. I wasn't really sure what to do with that, so I just gave him a half smile and said, that's too bad. He walked away like he was proud. He'd opened up to the sick kid, but I had a worried knot in my stomach for the two periods after that. I think those kids are trying to be nice, or at least act nice, but I'd give my right eye to be anonymous kid again, which is a super soup stupid thing cuz my right eye is where I had my tumor one of my worst cancer moments happened when the school did something that was again supposed to be nice since my surgery had happened later in the summer I missed the first week of school recovering on my first day back I found a huge card signed by the teachers and everyone in my class they Written messages all over it. Get better, sorry you're sick, and always the helpful cheer up. I was horrified it had been a few weeks since the surgery, except for some yellow bruises. I looked back relatively okay, but the card said, Forget sneaking back into school like Mr. Normal. It was like somebody had hung a big lit up sign over my head announcing what had happened. Sick kid right here. When I get to class, Miss Bear appears on next to my desk. How are you doing, Rust? You started your treatment yesterday, right? I feel a few set of eyes on us. Yeah, I'm okay. She settles into the desk across the aisle and gives me a concerned look. A mass of bracelets clack and jangle as she puts a reassuring hand on my arm. People like to touch your arm reassuringly when you're sick, I've noticed. Okay, well, no, let me know if you need anything or if the homework gets on top of you. I nod and think of Abby saying I have the ultimate excuse. I um, I was pretty tired when I got home. I didn't get the worksheets done, but I. Miss Bear smiles and leans in like she has a secret wafting thick perfume. Don't you worry. Get them in as soon as you feel up to it, okay? Her eyebrows go up. So far, she looks like a cartoon. Just keep talking with me, alright? Keep me in the loop. She stands up and walks back to the front of the room. I blink a little stunned. Bayer's is one of the most strictest teachers in the school. What magic is this? I'm wondering how far I can take this new power of mine when Sarah Kelly Kennedy floats in and the room's bright, bright brightens like somebody upped the wattage in all the bulbs. She heads to her desk directly in front of me. Awkwardly, energy floods my body as I busy myself getting out some pens and papers for notes. I have to look at... I have to work work, act casual, even though I know she isn't looking remotely in my direction. Then she looks. Hey, I look behind to make sure she isn't talking to someone else. She isn't. Yeah? All the noise has dropped out of the room except for a high ringing in my ears. I'm out of paper. Can I borrow a few sheets? Then she smiles out her ridiculously bright smile. And I feel my throat tighten. Sarah Kennedy has this effect on me. She has this effect on lots of people in my school. If I'm being honest, I know there isn't nothing terribly enlightened about, well, going all gooey over a girl I barely know, but blame puberty. Sarah isn't just popular and good-looking and superly amazingly smart. A few years ago, I saw her at the park with her older brothers. And she was skateboarding, skateboarding, and she was good at it. It was the coolest thing I've ever seen. It was like the queen it was like the queen of England to hop a curb. It's all burned in my memory forever even though I thought about taking up skateboarding myself. Then I borrowed Isaac's and just about killed myself and decided that wasn't happening. Coordination and I are not friends. Mm Mm-hmm, sure. I pull out a couple of sheets of paper, but my fine motor skills have fled the building. My hand chooses to crumple them as they come out, so I shove them in my backpack and pretend that didn't happen. I go into my folder for a few more and hold them out for her. Then my voice comes a deeper, a deep voice to my right. So, what, you got superpowers and crap now? I turn slowly. It's Jimmy Jenkins. Nope, I say. No superpowers, not yet. Jimmy is the biggest kid in a year. Definitely the sketchiest. I've heard stories about him being mean or crazy or both. And frankly, it freaks me out that I have to sit by next to him. An encounter with Jimmy is like handling a grizzly bear. One word can result in him getting angry, and you don't want him angry. Angry Jimmy. Grrr. I heard in fifth grade he gave a kid a noogie so bad, the kid went to the hospital. And later he supposedly roughed up a high school junior over a football bet or something. Jimmy's tongue expertly adjusts like an enormous wad of gum. Grape the j- league chew. Most likely around his mouth, he considers this. He's always chomping on an enormous ball of this stuff. It's gross. His mouth gets all wet when he chews it, and then he ends up sticking those big blobs wherever he feels like it when he's done. I've stepped or sat in a couple of Jimmy Wads, and they're known around the school. To make it even grosser, sorry, he carries this little spit juice bottle around him and spits in it. I don't know if he thinks he's chewing tobacco, or if he has some kind of saliva problem, but it's literally the nastiest thing ever. I've had nightmares about it. Sucks for you. Did that cancer beam make you crap your pants or anything? All my blood has gone to my ears and I can feel Sarah watching the exchange. Nope, nope. My voice cracks. None of that. Yeah, how about your piss? Does it glow in the dark? I heard that happens. This is like a threading needle. Don't poke the bear, but maintain dignity in front of Sarah. Not... Not that I've noticed. Mm, Too bad. Jimmy grunts and stares and starts chewing again. He shifts his oversized bulk to face front again. His interest in me has run its course. Sarah is still holding back my paper. Is she looking at my scar? My squinty eye? I tip my head away from her just in case. Well, thanks for this. I used all my paper on. She lifts a... Thick stack of papers and hands me one for the Christmas talent show. It's in December, end of the semester. Maybe you could do some of your drawings or characters on stage, maybe? I take the flyer trying to imagine how that would go. Me doodling on stage while students yawn and die from boredom in the front row. My cheeks flush a deep red at the thought. I'm a doodler, not an artist. Huge difference. My mom was an artist. An illustrator, actually. She did some work for kids' books and magazines and stuff before she got sick. She was crazy good. And we have her artwork around our house. I mean, I'm not bad, but the characters Sarah's talking about are Bat Butt and Bat Pig. I made a tiny splash on or school's art scene a f- couple years ago when my doodle of bat butt got me wa- my one and only trip to the principal's office. And that is page 35. This is where we'll stop for today um, on Wink. So yeah, that was um, page 35 and we'll go till 40 or 40, 55 tomorrow goodbye thank you for read listening July 10 2021 hello um yeah so it's July 10 2021 i'm reading wink pages 30 to 50 okay I make dumb little comics about their adventures sometimes. But since the principal thing I have focused on a bat pig, there's less risk. I actually have a sketchbook where I do most of my bat pig comics, or just drawings of random stuff, and some more involved sketching of real things. Life drawing, as my mom called it. But I don't show those to anybody, not even Abby or my dad. It's this awesome, beat-up sketchbook holder that was my mom's. I found it in her things a few years after she died. I don't remember her dying all that much, or her really, but her sketchbook still means a lot to me. It just feels private, so I keep it that way for me alone. Or maybe I'm just worried somebody will tell me that I suck. Not for public consumption. Anyways, I'm kind of shocked my doodles have been landed on Sarah Kennedy's radar. She's always seemed pretty busy with her friends and the whole super being popular thing. Then while she's looking at me, this thing happens to Sarah's face. It morphs and shifts. Suddenly, it's all sad-eyed and sincere. I know what's coming. I've seen it a lot lately. Anyway, how are you feeling? The look of concern on her face makes me want to crawl in a hole and stay there for maybe forever. I'm super uncomfortable with f- with the prolonged look. We're all here for you, eye contact. Hold. I redden. Oh, good. Yep, I'm good. I mumble. Hang in and they're okay. She nods and gives me a sad smile and turns back around. I take a, I take a deep breath and slide it down in my seat. I fold up the talent show flyer and stick it in my back pocket. I might have dorked out a little bit, but my heart didn't seize up. That's a word in my book. Proud bat pig. Chapter 5: Fine Dining. Honestly, it was the nicest Jimmy's ever been to me. This gets a blurt out blurt laugh from Abby. We're eating lunch in our usual on un- in our usual spot on the loading deck, where we've kicked the space clear among some fallen leaves, I've never seen the big slide-up door here used for anything. But back it backs up to the auditorium sa- stage, so I guess it's for that. Oh, Jimmy gets you know he's so such a sensitive young gentleman. With his jar of spit and all, Abby takes a huge bite of her sandwich. She is not what you'd think, what you'd call dainty. She sets it down and tucks her hands inside the sleeves of her hoodie. How are you not freezing? I shrug and chew while the two of us are eating in silence for a while. I'm watching two squirrels chase each other across the fence of the football field. They're having a full-on squirrel party. Isaac used to come out and eat with us here, but he doesn't come around these days. There's no question that Abby's my best friend, but it feels big but feel it feels like something big is missing. I'm not getting Isaac's input as well. He's a funny guy. I mean, it was just this past summer. That three of us made the great Oreo pact out at the lake. Isaac's uncle Anthony had take us out on Lake Monroe for the day in his speedboat. A perfect late June day, we started out working on getting Isaac up on skis. Abby and I had figured it out on the couple last boat trips. But Isaac, skinny little Isaac, yet had yet to stay up. I remember him standing on the back of the boat with, when his uncle got the rope ready, flapping the thin arms around to loosen them up. The life jacket looked huge on him, but then again, so did him, his swimsuit. It hung well below his knees. This is my day, people. He yelled it loud enough, that the other boats could hear. I'm gonna do this. I'm gonna show you how it's done. He sniffed. Might even slalom, slalom you today. She points at Abby and winked. Four minutes later, he fell trying to get up and forgot to let go of the Toro. He held on for maybe four hundred feet while he got dragged under the water until his senses kicked in and realized he could just let go. Climbing back in the boat a few minutes later, he was laughing. His eyes were wide. His voice sounded weird from all the water he'd taken on. He kind of looked like a wet rat. I think I just got nasal enema. Later in a cove called Allen's Creek, where boats anchor and hang out, the three of us were sitting on the back of the boat or feet in the water. Isaac's uncle Isaac's uncle, was in the front, talking to a friend on the phone. Oreo's chips and soda were out as we sat and discussed some of the other boaters. Five or six boats had tied together near us, and it looked like the party was in full swing. Music was drifting over when the wind was right. This is awesome. I love this. Isaac is generally a pretty happy guy, right? I mean, what's better? Abby took a slow drink. Dummy has a point. I can't remember how it started, but she's been calling Isaac Dummy for a couple years. Isaac seems to like it. I was watching the people on the party boat. A few of them were singing along with the radio. Is that going to be us in 10 or 15 years? Are we going to still be hanging out here? Here, rope swinging? Isaac crammed two Oreos in his mouth at once and talked through them. We'd better be three musketeers, you know, and all that, you know. Abby and I nodded, but it wasn't enough for Isaac. Come on, let's shake on it. Like in a movie where people cut their palms and swear a blood oath. I looked at him like he was nuts. I'm not cutting myself, sorry. Isaac waved it away. Yeah, no, we could do a spit pact. We all spit in our hands. Gross, no. Abby was having none of that. Isaac started looking around. He wasn't letting this idea go. Then he grabbed an Oreo. An Oreo pack. He untwisted the cookie and used his front teeth to scrape off the little cream white cream patty. Put it in his damp palm. I looked at him for a second then nodded. That works. We shook we shook and did our best to mash the white filling in between. Isaac looked disappointed. Not gooey enough. He poured some of his cherry 7-Up between our collapsed hands, mixing it with the white stuff. That seems more pecty. Then he turned and did the same thing with Abby. Then Abby and I did the same. Isaac hopped to his feet and spoke in a booming voice. And with this action, our Oreo friend pact is official! Then he took a mouthful of 7-Up and sprayed it in the air. So it misted down over the three of us and all over the back of the boat. Isaac! It was Anthony, and he wasn't happy. Isaac gave us a comical a comical, uh-oh, looking dove sideways into the dark water. Back on the landing dock in the cold, Abby takes a long sip of her Dr. Pepper and lets out a huge burp. Well, Ross, at least after today, we have a definitive proof that Lady Sarah knows you exist. That has to feel good. Yeah, I wad up my chip bag and shoot it at the dumpster ten feet away. It misses. We're a romance for the ages. Don't be so hard on yourself. You're just going through a super awkward phase right now. It's almost tragic, really, the awkwardness. But you'll grow out of it. Imagine the handsome butterfly that's going to emerge from this horrific cocoon. I stand up and brush the crumbs off my jeans. Right? I hop off the dock. But, uh, you should have seen pity on Sarah's face. It was. I really don't enjoy being the sick kid. To her or to anybody, you know. I walk over and put the chip in bag in the dumpster. I wish Linda would have kept her month shut. Months ago when we got the diet, when we got the diagnosis, my stepmom texted one of her girlfriends who texted about 30 of her girlfriends, and then Linda's phone was blowing up, and everyone in town knew, including everyone at school including Sarah Kennedy. I'm not sure what Linda was thinking. She might have pulled out a bullhorn and announced it to the world. Abby's always telling me to stop worrying about being the sick kid. Or in her words, I don't know why you let that stuff chew you up so much. I lean on the dock always thinking about ways to disable my stepmother's iPhone. A big gust of wind throws our hair around, Abby's especially. The cold and wind make my eyes sting. Then I remembered the flyer in my pocket. Did you hear about the talent show? Sarah gave me a flyer about it. Yeah, I saw one in the bathroom. I twist around and look at her. You should do it. Play that one I like, that one solo I like. I'm playing the viola. Maybe. If Sarah runs the show on the up-and-up, she sniffs and wipes her nose on her sleeve. I can tell she's not 100% on the Sarah train. But maybe you're onto something. Kids these days can't get enough of viola solos. Am I right? I laugh. Whatever. You're super good. You should come up with something cool. I've sat and drawn for countless hours... While she practices. Hmm, let me think about it. She pulls a red curl in her mouth to chew. She chews her hair when she's deep in thought. You should do something for the show. It'd be easy in with Princess Sarah. Okay, like what? Drawing isn't much of a spectacle. Yeah, she puts another curl in her mouth for extra thinking power. It's too bad you suck at everything. I ignore her. And we sit there for a while watching the squirrels. I sniff loudly. My nose is freezing. Have you talked to Isaac at all? She lets she lets out a puff of air. Nope. I mean, I see him in the halls, but we don't really talk. She sniffs louder. We've officially been ghosted. It's weird. Abby knocks her head and looks away. Isaac's a video game fanatic, so when he'd hang out as a threesome, it was usually at his house in his awesome basement. He and his brothers have every game and every gaming system known to man. And while Abby isn't huge into video games, she liked the Nelibutskis pinball machine and their popcorn machine and Isaac. I always had this feeling that Isaac and Abby might date when we were older. I started calling them Ron and Hermione for a while up until Abby gave me a nipple twist so hard she almost pulled it off. Then I got sick or he slowly stopped coming around or inviting us over or texting or responding to texts. It makes me sick to my stomach if I think about it too much. The timing with me getting sick and him vanishing seems too exact to be a coincidence. That has to be it, but it's really, I don't know, it's sex. Abby blows hot air between her hands. He's hanging out a lot with Chris Stemley. Eats lunch with him and that whole Fortnite crew. Yeah, I've seen, I've seen. Chris Stemley. As a guy, i had always thought was at least unfriendly and possibly a real jerk. I don't get it. Meh. This is Abby's couldn't-care-less sound. But I'm not buying it. I think she feels hurt, too. His loss. I brush some Dorito dust off my jacket. I guess. Just leave... I'm um, sorry. Just then, a huge gust of wind kicks... a bunch of leaves Abby covers her head with one arm and starts shoving things into her bag no no, screw this winter is coming and I'm going inside I grab my pack and follow her we duck in the side door by the auditorium where a bunch of the band members are sitting are eating in the hall Abby knows them all she's first chair viola after all I'm not entirely sure what that means, but I know it means a lot to her. She always looks the happiest when she's practicing. Abby takes a moment to pick a leaf out of her hair, and check her reflection in the announcements box. She seems perfectly. She seems happy with the crazy, unwind-blown mess she sees there. Perfection, she says, throwing her shoulders back. And strutting away her fellow through her fellow band kids like she's a model on the runaway. It gets a good laugh. Bat Pig Comics. Bat Pig and the S.S. Friendship. Oh no, the S.S. Friendship is widely off course. Oh dear, we're heading into the rough waters. Bat Pig snorts awake to the terrible news. Snort. Not good help. Mayday! Bat Pig springs into action because the excess friendship is crazy important. He prepares for a water rescue. Goggles. Nose pinchers. Water water rings. Bat stuff. But the waters are way rougher than Bat Pig expected. Hokey smokes. These rapids are so rapid. Ah! The SS Friendship is pulling farther away. Bat Pig is kind of freaking out. I have no idea how to help. He ultimately has no choice but to let the ship go. Be safe. Super sad music, like violins and stuff. And that is where we'll stop, because chapter 6 is on the next page. Thank you. Today is July 10th, 2021. You are listening to Wink, a novel by Rob Harrell. Bye and thank you. Hello there. Today I'm reading a novel by Rob Harrell, Wink. Book name, Wink. Surviving middle school with one eye open. Back to chapter six. And just to let you know, today is July 11th. Let's get started on chapter six. Back to the bad. Bad day two was diagnosis day. When I learned th- whether whether the thing in my head was b- B-E-N-I-G-N, what we were hoping for, or malignant, what we were most definitely hoping not, or not hoping for. A couple of weeks earlier, we'd gone to the hospital, Super early one morning for a biopsy, where the doctors took a little chunk of my tumor. They knocked me out and shoved a needle through my eyelid to get a sample. Then, and then I lay in bed and watched Netflix all day. Isaac and Alec, Abby came over yesterday that day. But even then, Isaac seemed like he wasn't looking at me or my bandaged face when we talked. I had to wear a big patch for a couple of days and got a black eye afterwards. If I'm being totally honest, the black eye was kind of cool. I liked the looks I got with it, like I'd been in a fight. I was like I was some kind of brawler. But this day, Diagnosis Day, was different, so it gets the bad day title. It was summer, and that morning was so hot and humid. I felt like my clothes were soggy. It was a Tuesday, so my dad had to pull some major strings. But he got the morning off from trial prep to take me. My dad, Linda, and I piled into Linda's Grand Cherokee and had a quiet morning drive to Dr. Scheffler's office. The kind of drive where Linda, in the passenger seat, unsure of what to talk about, chose to read random billboards and store signs out loud. Class by plumbing. We get things moving. One day only half-price mattresses. Gyros as big as your face. I'm not sure what she thought this was better than silence my grandmother Gammy does the same thing sometimes, but Linda kept going until I wanted to bang my head against the window. When we arrived at Dr. Scheffler's office, he seemed flustered. His hair was messed up in a few places where there was usually not a hair out of place. Okay, he looked us each in the eye. I'm not going to sugarcoat this. We got the results back. And this is an aggressive tumor a mucopidermoid carnoma of the lacrimal gland. It's an incredibly rare tumor as well. We all just stared. I honestly didn't think I'd ever see one in my career. At that point, my head ever so gently dislodged from my neck and began to float to the ceiling. At least that's how it felt. My dad and Linda talked, started asking things about things like the prognosis and outlook and treatment. My balloon head kept slowly rising forward, I mean, towards the fluorescent light above me. It was the weirdest feeling, like I had. I was watching from above while someone else heard all about how dangerous this tumor was and about how one of the other doctors in his office had dealt with some of these before how, and how she agreed to meet us with us he went to get her and and we waited in stunned silence until they both came back doctor inzer was a severe looking woman she was super thin and had an incredibly straight, long black hair. With her lab coat on, she reminded me of a black and white popsicle. She was about as warm as one too. I was willing to for- forgive her personality if she could help me. Hello, Ross, Mister, and Miss Malloy. She sat. She sat on a stool next to her dog. Sheffler with posture that would have made a drill sergeant look lazy. I've looked through Ross's file and I'm here to tell you I can help. My dad let out a breath like he'd been holding it for weeks. Oh thank God. Dr. Enzer gave him what I think was supposed to be a smile. Now you may not like what I have to say. But you need to know this is an extremely aggressive tumor. She looked me in the eye. I swear I shivered. Here's what we need to do. She glanced at Dr. Scheffler, then scooted her stool towards me. She lifted her hand, an insanely long-fingered hand, up to my eye. We'll remove the entire eye and socket. She twisted her claw-like fingers around my whole eye. To demonstrate like an ice cream scoop. That's the only rate safe to get. To get safe margins. She gave me another alien smile. Maybe it was supposed to be comforting. We'll fit you for a prosthetic. For that part of your face of course. Then we'll follow up with the radiation. She sat back ready for questions. We all sat there blinking for a second. Even Dr. Schaeffler looked stunned. I can't speak for anybody else, but my blood had turned into ice. It was the bluntest delivery of horrible news I could ever imagine. Like she was telling me I was going to pop a zit on my forehead. My dad sat back and I couldn't tell if he was going to... Yell at her or pass out. When, when would you do this? Dr. Inzer didn't blink. I have an appointment. I have a opening Thursday morning. My dad's face fell. He looked to Dr. Scheffler for help. Then back in two days, Inzer reached down and straightened the edge of her lab coat. Gently settled her hands together in her lap. I'm terribly sorry. I know this is a shock, but time is absolutely of essence. I wasn't sure I could speak. Is that that the only way? Dr. Scheffler sat up and started to try to soften the blow. Well, I'm sure we can look into it. put a hand on his arm and looked past them. She looked annoyed, in my opinion. Ross is our only option. I've dealt with this before. This is a serious tumor that needs to be handled as such. To be frank, your life is more important than your vision. Linda swallowed loudly. So his vision, it would. Dr. Inzer scooted back a little bit. Obviously there would no be there would be no vision in the resected eye. She sighed. The first sign there was a human in there. The unfortunate thing is that the radiation will almost certainly cause loss in the left eye as well. Jesus, my dad stood up, then immediately sat back down. How much vision Loss. Total, unfortunately. In her defense, Dr. Inzer looked like he was genuinely pained to her to say it. Dr. Scheffler just looked uncomfortable. We all sat in silence for a bit. Linda fished a wadded up a Kleenex out of her purse and dabbed at her nose. For some reason, I couldn't feel the chair under my butt. It was that floating feeling again. Apparently, when bad things happen, you feel like you're floating. Finally, the doctor spoke again. I am so sorry, but you need to know how serious this situation is. I wish I could give you better news. I was wishing the same thing, or that she was going to tell me some really twisted joke. Like she was going to tell me on a prank show. But she didn't. I wasn't. Yet again leaving that office is a blur to me I saw Dector, dr inzer with the name of a few books we should look up online she handed the paper of Linda she handed the piece of paper to Linda while my dad was talking quietly with dr. Scheffler. Linda only half tucked it in her coat pocket so I grabbed it while she, when she wasn't looking the first book was Something about accepting a new normal. The second had the title, Living with a Disfigurement, in it. Wow. I quickly tucked the paper back into Linda's coat and walked outside to wait for them. Later, my dad took me to Abby's. She'd been texting, and I hadn't responded. Telling her by text would have felt wrong. She met me at the front door. So... I gave her the best smile I could. Let's go for a walk down to the creek or something. Her face fell, and I'm pretty sure her summer tan had faded a bit. There are some fields behind Abby's subdivision that are led to a small creek, where we've spent hours splashing and catching crawdads. It's kind of our spot, or one of them anyway. He climbed over the rail fence and set off into the high waist high weeds and tall and grass at the back of their property. I waited quietly for a mo- minute before I started and the news isn't um good. Abby watched me f- a while while I grabbed a big stick out of the path and threw it to the side. So it's cancer? Yeah, I let out a slow breath. It's something rare, kind or something, of course. What kind is it? I don't know. We both hopped down a small embankment. I don't really want to know. At least not right this second. It's mugga mugga, epicarni, cancer, or something. It's super bad and aggressive. Apparently, whatever that means... I heard Abby behind me and realized she'd stopped. Oh, Ross, I turned around and she had watery eyes. I'm sorry. She put her arms around me in a big hug. I felt tears stinging my eyes and nose. I told her what I remembered about the specialist and all the horrifying eye stuff as we took off her socks and shoes and waded into the creek. Everything looked different. I was looking at the world through a post-cancer diagnosis eyes. I wondered if the if this this would be the last time I'd be able to look around these woods. When I finished, I Abby sat on her rock and wrapped her ra- arms around in her knees. Have you told Isaac yet? I shook my head. No, I'll call him. She closed her eyes for a second, for a few seconds. So, are you, then she kind of ran out of gas, like she didn't know what she wanted to say. I looked above the trees, I looked above, I looked up at the trees above us, right? I sat that way, quietly for a while. I think bad day, bad day, bad day two was the longest I've ever, Ever heard Abby go without talking. Chapter 7. Laser Beams and French Fries Back in the present, my dad's waiting behind the wheel when I come out of school. Time for my second treatment. It's only been a few minutes till the Proton Radiation Center. But he's been through McDonald's to pick up Cokes and a couple orders of fries for sustenance. He says, cramming a handful in his mouth. I straddle on one of my dad's big accordation files of legal papers in the footwell. He shifts the car into gear. You ready for day two? I pick out a single fry. Do I have a choice? No, no. I guess you don't. He washes the wads of fry down with a sip of Coke. You okay? I think of that for a minute. Some guy, watching some guy rake bright orange leaves out of his yard. I think so, I mean so, I guess so. I look over at him, and he looks tired. Are you okay? He looks at me surprised. Me? Yeah, just busy. Why? I give him a quick shrug. I don't know. A big gust of wind comes along and sends half of the guys neatly raked pile of leaves flying you've been it you've been through it before I mean I'm sure it was awful with mom it had to be and now it's happening again I feel guilty my dad is facing forward but I see a look flash across that's almost angry Ross no I don't ever want you to feel about that way. Don't even think that. You didn't ask for this. I lean my head back. I know it just doesn't seem fair. He turns a corner a little wide, distracted. Oh, it's not. He gives me a funny smile. But whoever said life is fair, I take a long drink. Nobody, I ask. You got that right. He drives for a few moments in silence. You and I... Are in it now. Together. Our job is just to roll with the punches. I grab another fry. Punch rolling. Got it. Life punches, we roll. He raises his eyebrows. Right, dude. He leans over towards me. He's being dorky to be funny. I told you not to say dude. Okay, dude. He leans in more. Raises his eyebrows farther. He's such a dad. I gave him half a smile just to stop him and something pops into my head hey would it be totally weird if i wanted to go in and do this by myself like i don't know i'm so i'm not a little kid he sits back surprised but thinks for a minute no that's not weird he nods i get that you sure i'm I'm not even sure why i'm asking he looks out the window for a bit we're looking in the parking lot outside the radiation center. When he looks back, I see his eyes are shinier than usually. usual. Teary. I wasn't really going for a touching moment here. But it looks like it's heading for that way. Have I told you how proud I am of you? Oh boy, yes you have, Dad. About a thousand times. Ha! Huh. his laugh is wet. Right, but I am. The way you're handling this, your mom would be. His throat catches and he shakes his head. Then he's wiping his eyes and waving me out the car. Okay, whatever, out, out. Before I start blubbering and snot, snotting all over the place, I open the door and climb out too late. In the lobby, Jerry is in the same chair with a cup of coffee that, like, he never left. He looks up from his AARP magazine. Magazine. There he is, young Ross. His voice is so gravelly, it sounds like it hurts. How are you doing today? I sit on a couch across from him. I waggle my hand. So-so, I hear you. You come straight from school? I nod. He nods back. I busy myself digging through my school folders. So what kind? Jerry asks. He's rolling his magazine up in his big hands. I look up. What kind of school? Your cancer. What? Where is it? Mine's here. He points at a large crooked finger at his lap. This stops me cold and he waves a big hand at me. Never mind. I was just being nosy. Nosy old man. He chuckles. And it turns into a lousy, wee. Sorry. It turns into a loud, wheezy coughing fit. I wait until I'm pretty sure he isn't going to die. My eye. It's in my eye. Jerry wipes his mouth and chin with a yellowed handkerchief. He sniffs a few times, a couple of times. I wonder, is that where you got this? He points at the middle of his, of his forehead, between my eyebrows. I have a scar. It looks like an inch long, long, slit. Where about where your brow would seize if you're mad. I nod. Yeah, that's where they shot BBs into my skull, so the machine knows where's to put them. The beam. Actually, there are four scars, but the rest are hidden in my hair. For the moment, at least. Jerry's nodding. It's like your own personal dime slot. He rubs his forehead. Dime slot? He waves his big hand like a coin slot where you'd put a dime in a payphone. He raises his furry eyebrows and chuckles. Payphone. Okay, never mind. At your age, it's probably more of a Harry Potter scar, I guess. This surprises me. You roll, you know Harry Potter? He laughs and unrolls his magazine. I'm old, son, not dead. And I have grandkids. I've seen a couple of movies. He gives me another look over. Is that why one eye is shut too? Yeah, I look away. The hallway doors fly open and Frank walks in. He stops for a second to survey the situation. Okay, Ross, you let the young. Young people have some. Let's us young people have some fun with protons. Leave the old man to read his old people magazines. I grab the bag and follow him, giving Jerry a wave. He lifts a hand and smiles. See around dime slot. Frank looks over at me. Dime slot. I roll my eyes and look and point at my scar. Frank barks a laugh. Love it. You too? Frank looks disappointed. He sighs, staring at the CD in his hands. Okay, Ross. I was This is Dad Rock. But it's it's better than last time, sort of. His voice dies off as he slowly turns and plods towards the radio shack. Shelf like he's dragging his feet through quicksand. Last time I spent some time digging through my dad's CD collection last night, I was pretty sure I'd picked a winner. Kelly hasn't put down the U lock piece yet, so can I still kind of talk? I just do- just so I don't bring you- let you down in the future. What exactly were you hoping I'd bring? This stops Frank. He comes back to the metal table. You 2s are fine. They are. They're good. A solid band. But don't... Don't you ever go off-roading? Musically, I mean. Listen to some stuff that's on off the beaten path or on the edges of... The path, I at least. I lie there, as I can't move. I guess not. Okay, tomorrow I want you to make sure you bring something you love. Sorry, I can't find where I fell off my page. Oh, yeah. Okay, I want you to bring something you love, but you're not sure anyone else would like something off the wall something maybe a little dangerous i wait a second before i respond well i would but cds are kind of for old people frank stares at me did you hear what he said callie did you hear that i told you there were signs of life in this one as callie reaches over with the mouthpiece He steps aside. Kelly kept saying you were a big dud, but I said no. You watch. This kid has an inner something. We just have to keep digging. Kelly smiles and shakes her head. If you'd like him, removed blink twice. Frank turns and walks to the CD player, waving his hands theoretically. Here you go, Ross. Here here comes your stadium ready corporate approved rock jock jock rock off we go to where the streets have no name Callie places the cha- place cali checks the placement of my blob blue nose clay and tells me not to mind him the try the treatment feels long today, and I and I'm not sure why. There are several times when I realize my eyes drifting, drifting, and I my curse myself out in my head. The last thing I need is a deep-fried eyeball, fried eyeball with the side side of Mariana, marinara. As soon as we're walking out, I tell Frank he should bring some of his seeds, CDs in tomorrow i've always had an interest in antiques says the kid who brought in an album from 30 years ago frank punches the button on the electric doors and we walk into the almost empty waiting room jerry must be getting zapped in the other treatment room you watch i'll have you off that spoon-fed top 40 junk in no time Just then the receptionist calls me to me and tells me that Dr.